The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. This is Grace in Focus, the radio podcast and broadcast ministry of the Grace Evangelical Society. Today, what if you go to a non-Calvinistic church, but your Sunday school teacher is promoting Calvinism? What should you do? The Grace Evangelical Society is a free grace organization, and we invite you to find out more about us at our website, faithalone.org. We have some free ebooks that you can find there, and also an opportunity to give us feedback about this podcast. That's faithalone.org. Now, with today's question and answer discussion, here are Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates. Ken, I believe you have a question from someone named John about churches that are not Calvinist, but yet the Sunday school teacher is proclaiming Calvinism. How does that go? Yeah, this is something that I run into occasionally where you go to a church and they may say, hey, we want you to come because you were with GES. We love your material. And, And the pastor may even say, hey, I'm solidly behind you guys. Free grace. And you go, great. Keep grace in focus. Yeah, keep grace in focus. I get your letters. I read Bob's book, you know. And then you go to Sunday school class and you think John MacArthur's teaching the Sunday school. <laughs> you know, he and this is what John says. He's attending a church that he doesn't say they proclaim to be free grace, but they say we're not Calvinist, okay? Right. Or Arminian. But then he says he goes to Sunday school class and the teacher, while not openly admitting he's Calvinist, is pretty clear that he is okay he uses calvinist phrases such as dead people can't ask for help you know the uh total depravity kind of thing and then there's this question how would you counter this type of teaching without being disrespectful or rude so you go to a sunday school class where the teacher is not teaching maybe what the leadership wants to teach. Terrific question. And I remember years ago, J.B. Bond, who's the pastor at Stillwater Bible Church, shout out to J.B. and all the people at Stillwater Bible. They come to our conference uh, every year, and and J.B. regularly speaks at our annual conference, which will be uh, this May 20 through uh, 23. Do they have a football team in Oklahoma? They do. I I, Uh, I meant to ask J.B. that. Oklahoma State, and they've had some very good years, but... uh, J.B. gave a message at our conference, and he said, it's vitally important that everything taught in your local church is consistent. It all—now, he was talking about the free grace message, that salvation is by faith alone apart from works— And his point was that that not only needs to be always what's taught from the pulpit, but every single Bible study, every single discipleship group— Every single Sunday school class, even if it's the three-year-olds, it all needs to be consistent. And he said, at our church, the elders take great care to make sure that every single teacher is consistent. Wow, that is so good. You know, uh, Dix Winston, who gave a plenary at our last conference, and he's in more than one, but he has a, a class for pastors. And last month, this was the issue. How do we do this? How do we make our church consistently free grace? And you were speaking on yeah, this. Yeah, right? and yeah, there's why I'm so familiar with it. it. This is a big issue because I remember the very first time I spoke for GES years ago. It was a church in Houston, and, and they contacted us and said, Hey, we want a free grace guy to come in and preach. And so I got there early and I went to the Sunday school class. I was amazed because the Sunday school class says, well, if the teacher, it was very heavy lordship, very heavy. You know, if you're really saved, you're going to have 
good works. And so that was kind of like my baptism into the GES ministry. Yeah. And I realized, man, this ain't very consistent. No. And, and and so that's John's question. What do you do when you find a situation like that? All right. So, John, I love the question. Let me start with the premise that he's correct, that the church has a doctrinal statement, and the doctrinal statement clearly is not Calvinist. It clearly doesn't teach that a dead person can't ask for help. A spiritually dead person can't respond to God or can't believe. Yeah, and let me just say there, that's the Calvinistic doctrine that the unbeliever is unable to believe. Yeah, their understanding of total depravity. Right. So if that's contrary to the church's doctrinal statement, if it's contrary to what the leadership board, whatever they call them, deacons or elders or whatever, if it's contrary to that— My suggestion to John is you don't deal directly with the teacher. You go to the pastor and the elders and you say, I'm in this class and he's teaching contrary to our position. I don't think he should be teaching at this church. And then it's up to the elders to do what JB was talking about and bring this guy in and talk with him and find out, yeah, he's off and then replace him. You can, of course, in class, raise your hand and go, are you aware of the fact that what you're saying is contrary to the church's doctrinal statement? And you can quote various scripture, like, for example, Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius. But I don't think it's real helpful to get into an argument with a Sunday school teacher. So if I were to say you're teaching contrary to the church's doctrinal statement, I would probably say something like, I bet you're not aware of the church's doctrinal statement, are you? And the person will go, yeah, now what are you talking about? And say, well, do you realize that the church has a specific point about what it means to be dead in trespasses and sins, and it's different than your interpretation? Now, would you do that after the class privately, or would you do it more publicly? See, I would probably do that privately. Yeah, I would too. um, Because it looks too much like I'm debating the guy. Right. Now, I might raise my hand and point out, you know, in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius is an unbeliever, and yet his prayers ascend to God, and God sends an angel to talk to him, and he understands what the angel is saying. How does that fit with your view of total depravity? I might do that, but I don't think I would say about the contrary to the doctrinal statement publicly. I think I would do that privately. I'm not even sure I would do the other. It kind of depends. If the whole class is with the guy, then there's a bigger problem here. Yeah. The yeah. Sunday school class you were in in Houston. Right. Were they with the guy when he was saying this stuff? Yeah, and, and I think with the, a lot of these situations, my experience, I think that a lot of times the church leadership, I think their attitude is more like, well, yeah, there might be some disagreements here, but it's it's not that big a deal. You know, he's a good teacher. I get that vibe. Just jumping in here to make you aware of our magazine, Grace in Focus. It is a bi-monthly, six issues per year, 48-page magazine, full color. And we want you to subscribe by emailing your name and your snail mail address to ges at faithalone.org. The subscription is free. It can be accessed electronically or it can be actually physically sent to you if you live in the lower 48 United States. That's our Grace and Focus magazine. Send your name and snail mail address to ges at faithalone.org. Let me give you a quick illustration. I was an elder at a Bible church in Dallas-Fort Worth area, and we didn't have membership, but we had 450 people, and we decided to establish membership. 
And so we decided that in order to become a member, you had to meet with two elders, give your testimony, answer a few questions, and then the elder board would vote you in or not in. So the very first people that we interviewed, myself and this other elder interviewed a couple. It was my turn to ask the questions. And so I said, well, tell me, how did you uh, become a Christian? And the woman says, you know, we love John MacArthur. We believe in lordship salvation, and we believe that a person is born again by giving their life to Christ, committing themselves to him, turning from their sins, submitting to Christ, and promising to follow him the rest of their lives. And they did that. And she said, that's what they did. Wow. And so then I asked the husband, and he said, yeah, what she said. (laughs) So we came to the elder meeting to discuss this couple, and I pointed this out. I said, so clearly they can't join the church because they disagree with our doctrine. And they certainly shouldn't be teaching Sunday school class. Right. And there were nine other elders. All nine voted to accept them. Why? Their answer was, because if we don't, they'll probably leave the church. And And I I was flabbergasted. I'm like, why have a doctrinal statement if it doesn't mean anything? And I would think that the church you were in in Houston, the elders might have the attitude. That, that, this that, isn't yes. that important. That's exactly right. I've and seen and this. it's because you want to be, quote unquote, more inclusive, right? Well, and it's even more than that. If I'm one of these church leaders and I say, they'll come around. They're that going was to, the view of the elders. Yeah, you know, hey, yeah, they're, they're confused on this, but the Sunday school teachers come into the sermons. He'll get the truth and he'll he'll mature through this. Here's this the, is a huge problem. If you allow this little leaven into the church, it's going to leaven the whole lump, which means that what this Sunday school teacher is teaching can begin to take over the church, and it can become the de facto position of the church, in which case the doctrinal statement doesn't mean anything. Well, in the example that you gave of that couple, how in the world is this couple with that theology comfortable with free grace preachers in the sermon? You know, if they're like, I'm coming here and whoever's doing the speaking, I'm assuming is free grace, but they feel comfortable with that kind of theology. Well, that's another problem. (laughs) What happens is in that type of church, and it happened there, the pastor begins to craft his sermons in such a way that Lordship Salvation people are comfortable. It's palatable. It's palatable. Right. So they will say something like, if you believe in Jesus, you have everlasting life. Well, the Lordship people will agree with that. They would just want you to talk about truly believing. Right. But they're not going to mention Lordship salvation, and they're not going to say Lordship salvation is a false gospel. They're not going to say that it's not by commitment, obedience, and turning from sins. And so what happens is, over time, these inclusive churches— get to the point where they're no longer proclaiming what I would call, or Mike Lee calls, the focus free grace position. Now it's a flexible free grace position. And now they can tolerate Sunday school teachers who are teaching five-point Calvinism. Even Sunday school teachers that are teaching Lordship Salvation, like you experienced in Houston. If I'm speaking at a place, or particularly like if I'm speaking regularly at a place, I don't want a lordship or an Arminian person to come up to me and say, boy, you and I agree. I would much, much, much rather them come up to me and say, you know, what you teach and what I believe are contrary. That is exactly right. I remember I did a debate with a Church of Christ minister or evangelist in Baytown, Texas about 30 years ago. 
And this one guy came up to me. We were talking. He said, I graduated from Denver Seminary. And he said, I want you to know, in three years at Denver Seminary getting my MDiv, I did not have a single student try to evangelize me. They knew I was Church of Christ, and none of them thought I was lost. And he said, I love what you've done today, because even though I disagree with you, if what you're saying is true, then I'm not born again. And if what I'm saying is true, you're not born again. And I love that. That, to me, is saying truth means something. There is something that's true, and there's something that's false. And you can't be saved by a false gospel. You have to believe the John 3.16 message. Our doctrine is very important, and I consider it a compliment. Even when people disagree, say, Okay, you take it seriously, but I disagree. Much better than, ah, it's not that big a deal. So let's make sure that the message is consistent in our church. And if you're going to a church where the message is not consistent, find out if that's on purpose or not. Go to the elders and find out. If it is, you might need to find another church. But if it's not, then let the elders deal with it. Great advice. Well, let's keep grace Grace in focus. Be our guest and subscribe to our 48-page magazine, six issues per year, also called Grace in Focus, by emailing your name and snail mail address to ges at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On this program, we keep our requests for financial partners to a minimum. But if you are interested in becoming a financial partner with Grace in Focus, You can find out how to do that at faithalone.org. On our next episode, have you ever heard about the Messianic Secret? What is this? Join us next time. And until then, let's keep grace in focus. The preceding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.